You guys can be seated. Welcome to church today, man. What a great way to start off a new year together. If you're brand new to ACF in person or with us online, we're so glad that you're spending this morning with us. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've been in a season of gratitude for last year or if you're just like, I am so done with 2022. But if you have not had anything to celebrate, we want to give you some things to celebrate as we move into this new, new year. Uh, the first thing is this, that in 2022, we saw 220 people get baptized, ACF. Like, come on. So good. So good. And then we just had six of our Christmas Eve gatherings. So fun. Uh, really just enjoyed hosting so many people. We had over 2,300 people at our Christmas Eve gathering. Let's celebrate that together. <laughs> and this is great. I got, I got word this week that at our Christmas Eve gatherings, there were 28 people who gave their hearts to Jesus. So come on. Like, that is so good. So good. And then the, this last thing, we had our fireworks show every year. We host the fireworks show. Somebody came up to me before that and they were like, so this is like actually the church puts this on? I'm like, yes, yes. The Eagle River Fire, Fireworks Show does not happen if ACF Church does not make it happen. And so um, we saw the largest crowd that we've ever seen out in person at the fireworks show. People want to be in community. They want to be around each other. There's just some beautiful things happening in our city right now. And so before we get into the message today, I just really felt uh, God leading me to, to kind of lead us in prayer for those 28 people. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you remember the moment that you put your life into the hands of Christ. And, and you remember what that felt like, the f maybe fear of like what's to come and, and excitement and, and how am I going to grow and, and how do I find community, all of those questions that we might have. And so let's just bow our heads and pray for those people here in this moment. Jesus, we pray for those 28 people who gave their hearts to you God, we ask that it would be more than a spiritual or just a, an emotional decision, God, but it would be a lifelong decision to put their hands and their heart uh, in, in, your, in your hands, God. I just pray that you would give them strength, God, that you give them community. I pray that we would identify those people and that we'd be able to help them grow. And God, help us to disciple others in their journey with you. God, uh, in this moment, we invite your spirit into this house. God, we need an interaction with the living God. And uh, we need to experience you. So we just pray that you would convict where conviction needs to, needs to happen in our hearts. God, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. And that we would leave here today forever transformed by the work of your spirit in our lives. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, I'm so excited to start a new series. We'll get to that in a minute. Don't be too distracted. Uh, but we are starting today a series called How to Doubt. How to Doubt. And uh, I'll tell you, like some of you are wondering about that title. seems like a strange title because uh, you're here and you're like, Brian, I am a professional at doubting. Like I, I am a highly skilled doubter. I don't need your help to doubt. But here's the deal. This is important is that we're not learning to have doubt. We're learning how to doubt. And over the, the month of January into the beginning of February, we're going to be in this series talking about not how to have our doubts, but how to doubt. There's a right way and a wrong way to doubt. There's a way to doubt that leads to life and understanding of God, understanding of ourselves, and there's a way to doubt that leads to death and actually takes us away from God and away from who he actually is. And so we want to lean into that, and, and, and I get that some of you are like, man, I, I don't really know if I have doubts. Um, and, and maybe even some of you are like, Brian, I don't, I don't ever doubt God, you know? Um, but let's just kind of be honest in the room, because can we be honest in 2023 uh, at this service? So who here would admit 
just raise a hand, that at some point in your life you have ever doubted God. Raise your hand in the room. Okay, look around. Look around if you're here in the room and you're like, I think I'm surrounded by a bunch of squeaky clean little Christians that have everything figured out. You're not. Because if there's no room for doubters in the church, there's no room for me in the church. So I'll be the first to just admit as a pastor, maybe you've never heard a pastor say this, but hello, I'm Brian, and I have my doubts. Um, I, I have had doubts. I work through doubts. I, I have doubts all the time in my life. Um, many times I'll even come on this stage, and I'll, I'll be asking myself, do I even believe what I'm about to say? Like, like deep in my soul, and I know some of you are like depressed because you're like, well, if you can't do it, then what hope is there for me? But listen, I'm here with you, and there is hope for you, and there is a way to grow through your doubts, and there is a way to, I think, learn from our doubts. And I remember years ago, we did a series that was kind of similar about doubt, and uh, I got done preaching and walked to the back of the room, and this guy came up, and he was like, hey, I want to talk to you, which is always fun. You just never know uh, what people are going to say to you after a, a sermon, and I could tell it wasn't an encouragement. And so he's like, I want to talk to you. I was like, okay. He said, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, that people, people should have any doubts, and I don't have any doubts. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I was like, do you ever disobey God? And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, then you have some doubts, because the reason we disobey, the reason we sin, is because we don't believe that God has our best interests in mind. We doubt the truth, we doubt the Bible, we doubt uh, what God says, and so in the end, all of those, those things in our lives, where there is sin or rebellion or rejection of what God says is best, in, in the root of that, there's a doubt, okay? So we all stand together level, a level playing field of people who have doubts. And if you're here and you're like, man, what, I, I don't know about if I want to be around a bunch of doubters, well, Jude one twenty two says this, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those in the room who would say they have doubts because the truth is you probably have them as well. And what we're going to do in this series is try to identify the source of those doubts. We're going to, we're going to talk about specific causes of doubt throughout the, the journey of this series, and I think it's going to be really good. If there was ever a series, by the way, that was created specifically for you to invite some friends, this is the one. Um, so if you're here and you're like, man, I, I didn't do that. I didn't send that text to that person I brought on Christmas Eve. Uh, do it right now. Go ahead. Text that person. Say, hey, come with me next week. And uh, we're just going to talk about our doubts really openly and honestly. And, and uh, this is really an issue. It's an it's a epidemic, really, in our culture of doubting. Um, the next generation, if you didn't know this, is not grabbing on to the faith of Christianity like the current generation. In fact, uh, currently 67% of kids will lose their faith in college. So church kids who grow up in youth group, grow up around churches, will then go off to college and say, I have no need for this faith. So that's just the current statistic. Also, young adults are currently the least likely demographic to believe in God, which should cue us in and cause us to be a little concerned if, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want for that faith to continue, because you should ask the question, then what is our faith going to look like? What's the church going to look like in 20 years? What's it going to look like in 50 years if the youngest demographic is the least likely demographic to believe in God? Beyond that, and I think this is a cause of a lot of doubts in the world, is that 80% of people who attend a church don't have a biblical worldview. 80%. Do you believe that? Like, so that'd be like all of you, 80% of the room, sorry, you sat there. So 80% of the room, you come to church 
We open the Bible, you read it, you leave church, and you do nothing with it. That's just the statistics. So, sorry, you guys are awesome, by the way. Well done over there. No, I'm just saying, like, that's the current stat. You can do with that what you want. Maybe you're in the 20%. Maybe you are. So that's just the reality. And then to bring it home, 70% of Alaskans don't have a regular church home. And so this should all cause us, if you are a Christian, to kind of, kind of listen up. Like, what's going on? There are doubts happening. People are not sure what they believe, or they don't want to believe it at all. There's something not compelling about the current form of Christianity that people are seeing, and that's a problem. Like, that our children in the next generation isn't looking at their parents and going, I want that faith. And I feel convicted by that because I'm a dad. And, you know, one day my kids are going to move out of the house. And I, I just, my prayer is always like that they leave the house and go, I want the faith of my dad. You men in the room, like, lead the way. Be, be people who follow Jesus in such a way that your children are like, I want, I want his faith. Women in the room, mothers in the room, live in a way, follow Jesus in such a way that your children are like, I want her faith. But it's a slow slip into doubt, isn't it? And that doubt leads us down roads that ultimately, uh, for many people, lead them away from the church. Uh, this is why for us we talk about how we are a church that exists to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the dechurched. Because a lot of people who are dechurched, who tried Christianity, they're like, that's not for me, um, would say they never had encountered a true form of God's grace. And when people understand the grace of God, like you want to run towards it, not away from it. And so we want to be the kind of people that show people God's grace, but um, there is a slow slip. It's a, it's a journey that we go on, and it starts off with discomfort. And maybe this is you today. Stage one of doubt is discomfort, and, and, and maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know why I came today. It's like negative five outside, and the car was all frosted up, but like just felt like I wanted to show up. And, and you're kind of squirming in your seat, and you're just kind of checking your, your watch, and you know, when the band comes back up at the end, you're going to like go out to check on something in your car pretty quickly. Like, you're, you're just kind of wanting to get out of here. And I, I get that, but like, you're just, you're just uncomfortable with something about the church or about faith or about God or whatever it is. And it moves into what I would call disenchantment. Disenchantment is where now I've, I'm, I'm beyond uncomfortable. I, I don't really like this place. Uh, maybe you're sitting here and you are, you feel almost combative towards me, towards the church, and you're just like, I don't, I don't like any of this. I don't like to be a part of it. I don't want to be associated with it. And, and then a lot of people move from there into what is currently called deconstruction. And uh, th this is a whole sermon in and of itself, but deconstruction is simply kind of when people lay their faith out on the table and they start pulling the loose strings on everything they believe and slowly what they believe starts unraveling. And a lot of people like to deconstruct without reconstructing, which is, that's a whole other conversation. If you're going to deconstruct, you better be willing to reconstruct with something that is true. Do your research and your homework. That's a soapbox. Anyway, uh, deconstruction is a thing um, that's happening. And then I would say it moves into what would be stage four, which is uh, deconversion, which for a lot of people is when they go public with this, this reality that I am no longer a follower of Jesus. I'm no longer a Christian. I'm no longer part of the church. I want to clarify your expectations of me. I am not a Christian. And maybe you've got friends in your life, or maybe this is you, where you've seen these different stages take place. It's a slow slip away from the body of Christ, away from God. But it, it just, it, it happens, and it's happening everywhere around us. The question is, where do these doubts come from? What's the source of these doubts? Well, Romans 10, 16 says this, it says, but not everyone welcomes 
the good news. Isn't that true? For Isaiah, the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So if faith, listen, if faith comes from hearing the gospel, then doubts come from rejecting it. For, or, or not hearing it at all is what it says. Faith comes from hearing, then, then if, if they don't hear, then how will they know? How will they ever accept it if they've never heard the good news? Which begs a real question for you if you're a Christian. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing that there is good news? And, and if you're like, I don't know the word gospel, I don't know what it means, the gospel really simply is what we just celebrated at Christmas. God has come to earth. Jesus has arrived as God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life, the life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross. He, he died the death that we all deserved. He was resurrected to new life to give us a resurrection to new life. And then his kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. That's the good news. So there's the gospel. So you either, so you've heard it. There you go. Y'all heard it. What are you gonna do with it? Does it make any difference in your life? Like, does it change anything? Or, or will you... Will you receive it? Will you be transformed by that reality? And you need to understand this. You will never mature beyond the gospel. You never get to a point where the gospel isn't the foundation for what you believe. If at any point you mature beyond the gospel, you are no longer mature. Because true maturity is grounded in every step of the way in the truth of the gospel. You see, the gospel is always the answer to our doubts. Wherever your doubts are coming from, whatever you're struggling with today, you need to come back and go, what does Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected, have to say about this part of my life? What does Jesus, the sacrificial Savior, who washed the feet of humanity and cared for people and loved them and then rose again from the grave, what does he have to say about the struggle with my kids or the struggle with this part of the Bible or the struggle with Christianity? The gospel is always the answer to our doubts. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people think they believe the gospel, but they don't. They actually believe like a distorted version, like a gospel of their own making. Um, this is really popular as we take parts of different faiths in Christianity and whatever else, and we, we kind of plug them together to create our own type of spirituality. There's a lot of people that say, I'm not really a Christian, I'm just kind of spiritual. But again, like you gotta, you, your faith has to be built on something. And, and, and the gospel is the foundation for what we believe as Christians. We don't pick out parts. In fact, Augustine says this. He says, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe but yourself. You are worshiping a God of your own making, which means ultimately you are God. You're God in the picture. If you create a God that you worship, then you're the creator. You're the God that you worship. And so we want to we believe the true gospel, the real gospel, the whole gospel, even the hard parts of it. We want to open the word of God, and we will all year long at every week when you come to, together, we're going to open the word of God, and we're going we're gonna to dig into the parts that are great and encouraging and the parts that are really challenging and hard, because it's all the truth that we need to go through this life. We're not going to just believe a gospel apart from grace that's all about works. We're not just going to try to be good people because you can't be good people apart from the grace of Christ. And honestly, you can be a morally upright person, but that living morally upright, can we just be honest? Like, just that in and of itself is not capturing the hearts of a dying world. Like, like just good people for good people's sake, like that's not capturing the hearts of a dying world. The grace of Christ will, though. Like, honest Christians who are like, no, I got some doubts and some problems, but Christ is big enough for those things, that will capture the hearts 
of the world around us. Now, the question about doubts is, are they always bad? Should we always reject our doubts? And listen, I was praying for this morning, I was praying for you in this new series this week, and I felt a real tension talking about doubts. And I feel this every time we talk about doubt in the church, because it's typically framed about some, like around something we want to get rid of. Like, okay, Pastor Brian, just give me three steps to get rid of my doubts. But what I felt like God convicted me of was this, that there are those of you in the room who should be doubting your faith. And I don't know who you are, but you walked in here and your faith isn't real. You think it's real. You, you, you've got all the outside trappings of a real faith. The people around you might even go like, oh, his faith's real. Their faith. Have you seen him at church every week? They're always serving. They're always doing their, their thing. But when you leave this building, you are not surrendering your life to Jesus. You're holding things back for yourself. You're not listening to the word of God as the final authority for your life. And so for you, let's, let's be honest, like your faith isn't authentic. And so I'm going, are doubts always bad for you? No, I want you to doubt your faith. I want you to doubt a, a, a fake faith so that you can take on a real faith. So that you can go, Jesus, give me something that's real and surrender your life to him. There are others of you in the room today and it's a battle. And it's a struggle. And you wake up every day and you look at the junk in your life and you're like, could I even be a Christian and have said that to my wife last night? Could I even be a Christian and have done that yesterday? Could I even be a Christian and have this going on? Could God even be real and allow that in my life? And, and your faith is real and God is your father and you are his child. And so all I want for you is assurance. I don't want you to doubt your faith. I want you to believe in God in a deeper way and to believe that your faith is real. And here's the deal. Only you know the difference. And what scares me is that some of you don't, and God's the only one that knows the difference. And I'll tell you, like, we need to ask those questions and be real because doubts aren't always bad when we're doubting something that's false. We're doubting something that's fake. When you're, we're doubting a, a, a faux version of Christianity that isn't actually what Christianity is all about. You see, I think the reason we frame doubts about, around something that, that are always bad is because in the church, we worship something called certainty. We worship certainty. And so we think it's our job to always be certain about everything with God. And, and, and in fact, there are branches of Christianity that would say, if you are not 100% certain that God will do what you're praying for him to do, then he won't do it. And so what that means is, as Christians, what we have to do is we have to kind of remove anything that's a question from our minds. In fact, don't get around people who have questions. You know, don't study hard questions. Like, just rid them from your mind and walk in just obliviousness to the, the hard things in life and just live in 100% certainty. And if you worship certainty, it brings up a lot of different questions like this. Do my doubts disqualify me from salvation? If I'm certain, if I'm fairly certain that Jesus was God but not 100%, can I be saved? I mean, have you been there? This, this, is a, this, is, this is making it all about my ability to be 100% certain. I'll tell you what, like, there's a lot of my Christian life where I'm at like 92%, you know? There are days I wake up and I'm like sub 50%. There are moments that are really hard and I'm at about 1%. Here's what you need to know, is that if you're at 1% and you believe 1% strength that Jesus is, God in the flesh. 1% is enough to give your heart to him. 1% is enough to step into salvation. And I want you to think about things in your life where you weren't fairly certain or totally certain. Um, in fact, married people in the room, when you got married, were you 100% certain that was going to work out? Like, let's be real. Can we be honest? Like, you weren't 100% certain. 
I mean, most people on their wedding day are like, I just hope I'm not screwing this up, right? Like, and sure, it's, it's, it's flowers and happy music and the ceremony goes, but there's something in your mind that's like, I'm not 100% certain. Like when we had our first child, I just think of that, that moment that we're like, okay, now we're parents. Was I 100% certain that I was going to be a great dad? Absolutely not. I was like 1% certain, right? Like I don't even know that God should entrust us with a little human being. Like what is he thinking? But, but here we go. I mean, think of the things in your life where you just stepped forward and you, do, you, di- you did what you knew was right, but you weren't 100%. You were like somewhere beneath there, but, but you did, it was, it was the right thing. It was good. Like, like you walked faithfully. And, and I believe that God honors the 1%. I believe he really does honor that, just that little bit of faith. And, and in fact, if you study the word of God, what you start to see is that even that 1% is a gift from God. Like, you can't muster up enough strength in yourself, and, and you can't build up enough psychological certainty to get God to do what you want him to do. You can't manipulate God with your certainty. And if you think that's true, you'll ask this question, are my doubts keeping God from healing my child, or healing my friend, or healing this person? Because again, for you, it's all about psychological certainty. If I can just convince myself and go, God's going to do it, God's going to do it, he'll do it. Again, what's happening is you're worshiping your faith and you're worshiping your certainty instead of worshiping God. And ultimately, he is the one that does the work. Maybe you've been here before where you say, I struggle with believing God will care for my family, but I'm faithfully tithing. Maybe you've submitted your finances to God. And then you're like, but you can't find a job. You're like, if I just believed God would provide for my family, maybe then he'd give me a job. And so it's always about shame, and it's always about the smallness of your faith. It's not about the bigness of God, right? This is so important. Matthew 17, 20 says this, and this is a verse that we write off many times, but so important. is It says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is crazy, you guys. Like, I don't know how big your faith is right now. Maybe you've got big, fat faith. You're like, my faith is used like a watermelon faith. You know, that's good. Praise God, you got watermelon faith. But some of us here, we got like a little mustard seed faith. What we just read is that that little bitty faith mixed with God's power can move mountains. And so we have to understand that reality that it's not about your ability to be certain about everything. It's your ability to walk forward in faith, right? It's not the strength of your faith. It's the object of your faith. It's Jesus. Does that make sense? It's the strength of your God. And so we bring, we bring so little to the table, you guys. Like, we come to God and go, I got this weak, broken faith with all of these doubts. And God's like, I can use that. That's what he loves to do. He takes our broken faith. And we just come to him like the man with the the epileptic son. We say, I believe. Help my own belief, right? I believe God helped me in the parts that I don't believe. And what we know in that story is that God healed his son, right? Like that was enough. That like, that that doubtful faith was just enough when people chose to be faithful. I believe that's that's God's call to us is like, be faithful. Do the faithful thing even when you've got some doubts. Even when you're not 100% sure. You see, doubt can be a good thing because sometimes doubt is an invitation to change. Like, maybe you need to see God in a different way. Maybe you need to see the Bible a little bit different and do some studying. Maybe you need to see the church a little bit differently than you've seen the church. Doubt can be a beautiful invitation to change. You see, your faith should change. Your faith should develop. Your faith should actually grow, right? So my question for you is, is your faith growing? Is it developing? Is it changing? Because that's how we start to deal with our doubts. 
There's this guy, Peter, uh, who was one of Jesus' disciples who had his own doubts and struggles with believing God. And um, I love his personality because as you read uh, about him and, and read his words, you're just like, I can relate to this guy. Because he's trying to follow God, he's tempted by the world, and yet he's choosing to be faithful. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So key word in that text is grow. Like, don't be carried off by the, by the world, by the people around you who want to build doubt in your life. But be grounded in Christ Jesus. You need to grow in your faith. Our faith must must develop. It must grow. So what's with the really ugly, terrible-looking couch? Here's the deal. I'm going to probably offend people with this couch in their house, and uh, so prepare yourself. Um, But here's the deal. So uh, (laughs) flower print was really cool at some point. Did anybody have a flower print, you know, couch? And maybe some of y'all like, I got one right now, Pastor Brian. Go easy. Here's the deal. No shame. No shame if you got a flower print couch. But um, I, I think... We've been there before where, like, you buy a couch, you know, early on in your life. Maybe you got it in college, and it was in your dorm room, you know, somewhere, and it's got, like, you know, beer stains. You just, like, flip the cushion, you know, flip, flip it over, and then cover it up, and, you know, you guys don't drink beer. You're a bunch of Christians, but, you know, it's like, it's got, like, stains and, and tears in it, and, you know, it's kind of worn out from your buddies sitting on it for hours playing Xbox, and it's just, like, it's this couch that over the years becomes more and more dilapidated and worn out, and you know, and then you like, you buy, a, you buy a house at some point, and the couch doesn't really fit anywhere anymore, and you know, you stick it in a corner, and you're like, it doesn't look right there. Uh, it's not the right size for that, and so you kind of find a place for it, and then over the years, it just kind of gets more and more worn out. The kids spill things on it. It gets torn up. You know, one of the legs breaks off. It's being held up by like a stack of Bibles or something like that, and you know, it's like, it, it, this, this couch is just a mess, And here's the deal. This couch is kind of a metaphor for our faith because I believe that what happens to couches often happens to our faith. I want you to think back to the moment of your life where you gave your heart to Jesus, if you're you're a believer. Remember that moment? and, And when you gave your life to Jesus, did you really know what you were getting yourself into? You know? Like, did you really understand the life that you were going to take care of? Like, did you really understand uh, who Jesus was in, in all of his fullness? You know, no, you had just a little understanding. And that little bit was enough for you to walk into this faith and, and, and it was just kind of like innocent. You didn't know what you were walking into. You just knew it was right and you knew it was good. And I'm just telling you that for a lot of Christians, this describes a lot of, especially I think the American church, we step into a faith and then our faith is frozen in time from that moment forward. And for a lot of people, like, your faith is still the faith from when you were like three years old, when you were 12 years old, like that moment at summer camp that you like raised your hand and prayed the prayer, like your faith is still there. And now here you are five years, 10 years, 20 years later, and your faith kind of looks like this. And you wonder, why do I even have that thing anymore? You know, like what's the point? You know, maybe we should just take a little trip to the dump, you know, and, and just get rid of this faith all together. You see, I think what happens to our faith happens to, or happens to couches oftentimes happens to our faith. And then what can happen is that we think the couches are the problem, right? We're like, oh, it's all worn out. We should just do no more couches. Couches are the issue, right? It's like, no, you need to get a new couch, right? You need to, you need to upgrade. You need a new version, right? It's not the couch isn't the problem. Yours is just a mess. 
See, Jesus isn't the problem. Your version of Jesus is the problem. Christianity is not the problem. Your version of Christianity is the problem. You see, I think we know intuitively that, that our faith should develop, right? It should be growing, and yet for most of us, it's, it's not. I mean, those statistics are very clear. Most people are not developing a biblical worldview. Most people are not growing in their faith. Uh, the stats of church, most people come to church about once a month, right? So I'll see you in February, I guess. So that's, that's just the current statistic. And again, like if these are the disciplines and rhythms in your life, it's no wonder at some point you're like, why do I even do that? What's, why am I wasting my time? I don't even care about this stuff. Clearly, it's not a big part of my life. I mean, think about it like children. So uh, Mason, our worship leader, uh, him and his wife Jody just had a beautiful little baby girl, little Winter. She's awesome. Um, little Winter's growing beautifully. She's starting to talk and, you know, move around. And, and, and I'll tell you what, like if Winter didn't begin to grow, they would be at Providence immediately. And they would go and get checked out and they'd say, like, Doc, something's clearly wrong with our child. Our child isn't growing. Because I think we know this, that healthy living things grow. Healthy living things grow. And so I want to ask you the question, is your faith growing? Is it developing, right? Like when's the last time you opened the Word of God and you read something and you're like, did, did they just put that in here? Like where did that come from? That's amazing. That changes everything. When's the last time you were in prayer and you're just praying and God spoke something to you about who you are or who He is and you said, oh my goodness, this changes everything. This changes how I live. This changes my life. If you're like, it's been a long time, I just want you to hear this. God wants to do those things in your life. If you'll, if you'll actually live in the rhythms that he's given you, if you'll live faithfully to the things he's, he's called you to, even in your doubts, he wants to develop and grow you. He wants to do that in your life. And I know there's some resistance from some of you. You're like, no, Brian, I just have childlike faith. It's just childlike faith. The re- reality is you don't have childlike faith. You have childish faith. You have a faith that is still from your childhood. And so that's not a faith you can build your life on. You see, a faith that never changes is a faith headed for trouble. It really is a faith headed for trouble. Your faith should develop and it should change. It should grow, right? You see, Peter tells us that like the reason you end up outgrowing your faith is because your faith hasn't grown. And so at some point you will outgrow that faith, you know? And you'll be like, why do I even have that faith? What's the purpose of this faith, you know? And you just think about, like, like this couch, like it gets, it gets stained, right? Just like at some point your faith can get kind of stained and tainted by the world. I mean, just think, like it gets full of all kinds of junk. You ever move the cushions of your couch? Like that's scary sometimes. And just the stuff that's, you're like, oh, hide, hide the stuff underneath there. But it ends up full of other people's junk sometimes. Car keys in there, Cheetos and stuff from the kids. Sometimes our faith can get full of other people's junk, right? Like, like, other people's faith can rub off on us, and it's not always for the better. Or what other people think about God can rub off on us, and it's not always true. We hear little coffee cup statements that aren't even biblical sometimes that feed their way into our faith. And at some point, our faith gets to the point, like this couch, that you can't even give it away, right? There will be a discount on this couch after church today, by the way. I'll be taking bids if you want it. It will be up for sale. But again, you wonder why you don't share the gospel. Maybe it's because you don't believe in the gospel that you're going to share. Like, if you don't believe in it, then why, why would I ever share it with others? So again, what happens to this couch often happens to our faith. Our faith must grow. And in uh, 2 Peter, if you have a Bible, open it up to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. It's kind of a key text for today. And I encourage you to go a little deeper into this than we have time for this morning later. 
But Peter's really challenging the church uh, to have an authentic faith. He's challenging them to have a faith that develops and grows. And, and what you sense as he's writing is that he really has their best interest in mind. He wants them to, to grow in their belief, to grow in their faith. And he knows that they can do some things to contribute to it, and they can also do some things to take away from their faith. And it says this in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he have, has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. Every effort. This is important. To add to your faith, okay? Okay, so it's not just like have faith, pray the prayer, go to church, move on. No, add add to your faith. Something must be added. Goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Into self-control, perseverance. Into perseverance, godliness. Into godliness, brotherly kindness. Into brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, there it is, there's this development word, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that describe the person who's lost in their doubts? Ineffective and unproductive. And now here's the warning. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. In other words, if you're not developing in your faith, you're going to forget the gospel. You're going to forget what's true about Jesus, what he's done for you. You're going to forget the most important thing to your faith, which we said already is the good news of Jesus, if you don't develop your faith, right? Again, it's not the couch that's the issue. We need an upgrade. We don't want to get rid of all couches. Couches aren't the problem. We need a new couch, right? It's time to get a new couch, church. For some of you, you need to hear that. It's time to get a new version of your Christianity. It's time to upgrade your faith. It's time to develop and grow and move into your next steps as a follower of Jesus. If you do not, what Peter's saying is you will be unproductive, right? And you will be ineffective, And then you'll be nearsighted. He says you're nearsighted and your nearsightedness is contributing to your doubt. Now, some of you here are wearing glasses because you are literally nearsighted. I told my wife Amanda this week, uh, it was just kind of ironic, that I I think I need glasses. Um, I'm just starting to kind of get real close to the computer screen and squinting a lot. And so when you're nearsighted, it means you can only see what's in front of your face. It's all you can see. And for a lot of people, that's where they live. It's like you just live for the now. You live in this moment. And this is a big reason that you're, you're having so many doubts. Because you just live for what's right now. And when you live for what's right now, you'll do whatever feels good, right? Right? Take the drink, take the pill, go on the website, do whatever you want to do, because it's going to feel good for the moment. You live for the now. He's like, you will be nearsighted and blind. You see, I think a lot of Christians are so nearsighted that they can't see heaven and that they can't see hell. They're so focused on what's right now, like what's right in this world right now. And I know hell's not that popular to talk about in church today, but it's like in the Bible, so we're going to talk about it. It's real, okay? Hell's a real thing. Eternal separation from God, eternal darkness, right? Eternal anguish. I mean, the Bible uses terms to talk about hell that are just absolutely terrifying, because it should be. The idea that we would live for an eternity with no peace, 
Eternal suffering, never any joy, total separation from our Creator is absolutely terrifying. And it, it should be. Like, that's okay. But then there's heaven, right? For the, for the believer, we fix our eyes on this eternal future, this heaven that God uh, will bring us into, this, this new heaven and this new earth. And heaven's going to be incredible. Like, I think if we could get just a taste of heaven, we would change the way we live every single day. We'd go like, man, like, I, I don't know what I was living for, but now that I understand what's to come, I know how to live. I, I think that's, that's the reason. And, but the problem is we're so nearsighted and blind that we've become ineffective. And in, in our ineffectiveness, we've, we've been filled with doubt. Because again, we realize we don't even believe what we say but we believe. If we don't walk in faithfulness to these things, if we're not adding to our faith these different things that Peter's saying, hey, it's time to start adding to your faith, to develop your faith, to grow in your faith. So I remember personally when um, I dealt with some of the deepest doubts in my faith. Um, it was actually after I got in full-time ministry. I became a worship leader, and I was really, a, I think, a really immature Christian when I became a worship leader at, at this church. And kind of, I mean, nobody else's fault, but I just, I jumped in, and, and I didn't really realize some of the spiritual battles that I'd start to experience, some of the internal struggles and I remember I joined a small group with this guy that had studied the Bible a lot more than I had at that point in ministry. And uh, he was starting to unpack what the Bible was. And uh, he began to deconstruct my view of the Bible. And I'll tell you what, like, I left that small group the first night and I was in tears because I could feel my faith unraveling. Like the way I viewed the Word of God was so immature and so underdeveloped that the things that he was saying completely undermined the foundation of what I believed, and I was scared I wasn't going to be able to rebuild it. And so here I am leading worship every week in this church, and I'm like, I don't even know if I believe in God. I was at like a 1%, you know? I'm like, I don't know what I think about any of this stuff. And it was hard and it was challenging, but instead of running away, quitting ministry and going and doing something else, I leaned in. I started letting this guy disciple me and, and challenge me and, and grow me. I started reading and studying. I started getting around other people that had been through this journey. And before I knew it, my, there was this like new spark of faith that started to grow inside of me. And before I knew it, my faith was stronger than ever because it had been developed and grown. I got a new couch. I got a new couch and all of a sudden it was like it served a purpose in my life. And it was sturdy and it was strong and it could handle the difficult questions of life. Here's what you need to know is that Jesus can handle your questions. If you get to know the real Jesus, Christianity is something that can actually lead you into life and life in the fullest, but maybe not the Christianity that you have or that you've been given. And so ironically, having worked through a lot of my doubts, I feel stronger uh, in my faith and closer to God than ever, but I had to work through them. And so how do we do that together? I want to give you a few tips. First, you need to begin to identify the source of your doubt. Your doubts have a source. They have a, they have a root. And uh, I want to actually talk about a few of those here uh, right now. Could we start kind of going through that list of the sources and causes of doubt? Well, I went on, so I went on uh, social media and just asked, like, hey, give me what you feel are the top causes of doubt in your life and in the lives of people around you. And this was number one, actually. Uh, unprocessed church hurt. Um, a lot of people have been hurt by the church which means a lot of different things. Many times it means hurt by a pastor, uh, hurt by people who gossiped about them. Uh, somebody didn't 
care for them when they needed to be cared for. And so because of that, they have unprocessed church fruit. I'm actually preaching on this here in just a few weeks because I think it's a really important one that we need to spend a whole morning talking about. Um, it's current cause of doubt. Also, a lack of expectation can really cause a lot of doubt. Um, when you show up to church week after week and you don't expect God to move, you're going to leave church and wonder why you go and start to wonder if God's even here. Um, if you don't expect God, God will graciously allow you not to see him at work. If we begin to expect him and to look for him, you'll begin to see him. This is just how it works. You know, Jesus kind of has this description of like asking and seeking and knocking that we should go to him, like pounding on the door, looking for God, saying, God, I want you in my life. I want to see you move and that he will answer those who ask and seek and knock. If you're not asking and seeking and knocking, it's no wonder that you're like, I've got a lot of doubts that it's real. I think this is huge. Isolation causes a lot of doubt. You know, when you're doubting God, the place you need to be is the church. But unfortunately, when people begin to doubt God, the first thing they leave is the church. They're like, "Ah, I'm not so sure I believe. But again, if all the doubters left the church, there'd be nobody here this morning, right? Because again, we we know this. Intuitively, we need to be around other people. Um, So this is huge. Disobedience can cause doubts, and this is really what Peter's talking about, is that you're not adding to your faith and growing your faith in obedience, And so at some point, you can live so long in unrepentant sin in your life that you start to doubt your faith. And again, it's it's maybe even a healthy doubt, but it's not God who isn't real. It's your faith that's not real. So we want to doubt the right things when we deal with doubt. The stigma of doubt can cause doubt. This is huge, just that you create an environment where like, oh, we don't talk about it because we're all certain of everything. Bunch of liars. No, you're not, right? Nobody's certain. Like, we, we, we live in faithfulness even when we don't have total faith and perfect faith. Because my faith's imperfect, Jesus isn't, right? He is perfect. And so that's a cause of doubt. Um, Christians who live like God isn't real or worship like God isn't real cause a lot of doubts. Do you know that, like we talked earlier, you have the ability to impact somebody else's faith and doubts? And when your unbelieving friends watch you live and they say, what's the difference? Their life is no different than mine. It causes them to doubt what you say you believe. And that makes a lot of sense, right? So in some ways, if you're here and you're like, yeah, I have yet to meet a Christian that lives like Jesus, I understand why you doubt. It makes a lot of sense that you doubt. We are very imperfect reflections of the perfect Savior. And so that's important to understand. Um, when there's no power in the church, it causes people to doubt. Do you know, like, when you show up here, like, we are coming together as the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, there's a lot of Christians in the room. And, and when we worship God, that, like, he's actually here. And so in, in a minute when we're singing, like, we're singing to God, the God of the universe, the one that created you, that keeps breath in your lungs. And when you live in worship, like, he's not here, your kids and the people around you are like, like that's not even real clearly you don't think it's that real it doesn't affect the way that you like i'm not seeing it physically and i get that some of you are like i worship on the inside well yeah like that's again like if jesus is real if god were really in your face you would not just worship in the inside like in the bible when people encounter god or encounter an angel they go to their knees right like they can't help but react physically to the presence of god And so for you, again, if you're like worshiping and living like God's not real, I mean, people are going to doubt. It's going to cause a lot of doubts. Um, No power in the church. And then surrounding myself with doubters, this is so common. If you have doubts, you will tend to gravitate towards other people with doubts. You might even start your own little unofficial small group of doubters. 
um, of people who doubt God. And again, not with the purpose of working through your doubts, but with the purpose of just airing out your doubts. And like, this is back to the church hurt one. It's interesting, in the church, people who are hurt by the church, it's like they have a, it's like they have radar for each other. They'll find each other and be like, oh yeah, you had a pastor at one point say that? Me too. Awesome. Let's get coffee. Let's talk about how we're angry at the church. Yeah, and it just, it starts to grow your doubts. You know, like I need people with faith in my life, I'll tell you. I just got Pastor Josh up in the front, front row. Pastor Josh is one of my best friends and Josh, you're a man of faith and um, I tend to be a cynic. If you know me, I, uh, I question everything and, and when I say I'm not saying in a good sense, okay? It's like, a, it's like an unhealthy cynicism that I have about life, about people, even about the Bible sometimes. And so Josh it just has this like, like God's going to do it perspective. And so I just know that like I would be really unhealthy without people like Josh in my life. I need people who are going to be like, Brian, shut up. God's going to do it. He's big enough for that. He's, he's seen this before. He knew it was coming. He sees the end. Like it's going to be okay. I need people to tell me that. And you do too. But I think maybe the deepest cause of doubt is something called pride. It's just, man, we, we think that we can do it on our own. We think that we can be our own savior and we're just, we're just not enough. So I think we need to work through our doubts. Number two, next thing we need to do is, is ask, what does the gospel have to say about this? This is really key. You need to bounce the gospel after, on top of whatever your, your doubt is. The source of your doubt, you need to ask, what does Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and resurrected, have to say about this part of my life? So my question for you is, when you're doubting, where do you go to find truth? If your answer is Google or TikTok, you are in a bad shape, right? In a bad place. Uh, where do you go? Where, like, where's the first place you go for truth? Do you go to people who are doubters? Like, when you're doubting, do you go to just, like, whatever the first thing that pops up on Google? Do you, like, or do you go to the Word of God? Do you open the Scriptures as your source of truth, right? Do you go to prayer? One of our challenges in 2022 is that we would spend 10 minutes every morning in prayer. So we, we're beginning a season of prayer as a church the next six weeks. Just 10 minutes every morning in prayer. It's going to totally shape the way you live your life. And the third thing I think we need to do to begin to deal with our doubts is that we would seek the truth in community. Seek the truth in the community. Instead of running from the people of God when you're doubting, run toward the people of God. Run toward other Christians and, and people who have worked through this stuff. Like, I'm so glad that when I was dealing with doubt as a worship leader, I didn't quit my job and go do something else. I'm just so glad that I, I leaned in. And, and, and I think it was just God leading me in that and giving me even the strength to do that because I did not want to go back to his small group. It's the last thing I wanted to do was have somebody continue to pick apart my faith that already felt like it was just a rubble of what had been before. But I needed to do the hard things to be able to develop a, a robust and, and strong faith, a faith that can deal with hard stuff and difficult things in marriage and life and, you know, that hard diagnosis that's coming for all of us. We need a deeper faith, a stronger faith, a faith that develops. You see, Jesus is offering you a new couch today. The question is, will you receive it? Will you do the hard work to begin to develop in your faith, not to get rid of faith completely, but to get an upgrade to the faith that you've had? So we want to help you with that. We've got some goals in 2023. And uh, here's our vision really coming up into 2023 as a church family is that everyone in the room, that you would learn to fulfill your purpose, to experience God's presence, and to proclaim the gospel. And so we're going to be aligning everything we do as a church family around these three things. And again, 
it's our goal that literally you have been led into all of these things. You can say no. You can be like, Brian, that's not for me. But again, that's not, that's not my job. That's not our job. It's your job to receive it. It's our job to lead you into it. And so we feel strongly like these are three key things. And so how are we going to do that? Like what does it actually look like to do those three things? Well, we've got some challenges for you. The first one is to join a serve team or a small group. So by the end of this year, it's our prayer that literally every single person in the room today would find community either in a serve team or a small group. And so we will continue to launch new small groups. We will build more leaders. Maybe you're here and you're like, I need to open my home and host a small group, and we'd love to help you do that if that's you. The second one is that we want people in this room, literally everybody by the end of this year to say, I am, I've begun praying, Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. We just feel like God is stirring up something in our church when it comes to understanding the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I don't know what your church background is, if that seems a little too charismatic for some of you, but listen, this is, this is the deal, is the Holy Spirit wants to work through the church and empower the church. And I believe a Holy Spirit-empowered church will actually begin to extinguish some of the doubts in the world around us. So I think we need the Spirit. And the last one is this, that you would commit to having one unexpected spiritual conversation every single week of 2023. And here's what I think. I think that if you're living in the power of the Spirit, you're going to have these conversations all the time. You're going to be in the checkout line at Walmart. You'll be standing, you know, in the, in the post office, which everybody loves to stand in the line at the post office right now. You'll be in that line, which is like out the door, and everybody's angry and everybody's grumpy, and then the Spirit's going to grab your heart, and they're gonna, He's going to say like, hey, I want you to speak to this person. I want you to pray for that person. And you're going to do something awkward. You're going to go pray for them. You're going to have a spiritual conversation. Here's what I've learned as I've read about the Holy Spirit and been studying this personally lately, is that whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, it gets weird. So if you're afraid of getting weird, like, you're not going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but if you're willing to have, like, an awkward conversation once in a while and get out there a little bit, like, God's going to use you. So I want you to lean into these things as we move into this next year. Would you stand? I want to pray for us. We'll close in worship together. Father, thank you that your presence is here and we want to collectively announce the reality that we just need more of you. That the things that are coming for us in this year, the, the, the things that we have planned, and then the unexpected things that we never thought we'd be going through. Father, we can't go through those things and come out the other side faithful without the power of your Spirit. God, we don't have the strength to muster up enough faith to follow you. We can't do it on our own. We, we need you to give us that faith but we do have a decision as to whether or not we'll be faithful, God. So I want to pray for the man or woman in this room who has never grown in their faith and they are frozen in time at the third grade version of their faith or the, the college age version of their faith. And Father, you're inviting them to get a new couch, that they'd be willing to step forward faithfully, to receive what you have for them. And God, through that receiving and, and stepping forward faithfully, God, that you would begin to diminish the doubts in their life. We love you, God. Send us out on mission. I pray we'd go and serve and love and do all things to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.